You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the double-edged double bill. This week, Kristen Stewart swims underwater with Charlie's Angels. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Thomas Mariani, and I am just sitting here underwater. I'm somehow got all my recording equipment working. It's amazing. And I am Adam Thomas, and I can't swim. <laughs> oh, the true tragedy. True tragedy of the show. Why did you break it up? <laughs> Well, it's a good thing we're not talking about a movie that takes place mostly underwater anyway. But uh, we're not the only ones here, Adam. We have to introduce a guest we have here. Uh, she's the co-creator of The Underscene and the co-host of the But Is It Gay podcast. Welcome, Ariane, to the show. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it was a pleasure to, to have you on. We're very <laughs> excited here for you, especially because uh, we invite you on to this episode specifically because uh, I'd read a review you did for um, the subject's film, uh, Happiest Season, because we're talking about Kristen Stewart today. Because, you know, it's Pride Month. We wanted to cover, you, we usually like to cover an episode about um, a queer um, person who is in the creative film world. And uh, we're big fans of Kristen Stewart. And based on that review, you are also a huge fan. Yes. Yes, I am. Can I just say, when you guys invited me, I was like, I have arrived (laughs) (laughs) to be invited to talk about Crescent Stewart. This is all I've built my career on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's over. You don't have to succeed anymore. Yeah, that's it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, where'd that love for Kristen Stewart start for you? Oh, God. Probably Twilight. They're not, like, they're not great films, but I was a closeted teenager watching them in theaters, and everyone was like, Robert Pattinson, and I was like, Kristen Stewart. <laughs> and then I just started watching her stuff, and, and since then I just love her. I think she's an underrated actress, um, and then she still follows with that stigma of Twilight, and which is not fair to her. Yeah, the stigma really is not fair at all, and even as someone who was, like, you know, younger at that time, and I was, like, in high school, and I, I fit along with the hating Twilight kind of, like, yeah. to, oh, my God, this is a vampire, this is some werewolves. <laughs> but a funny thing happened. Uh, I grew up, unlike some people still, <laughs> who, like, saw this bug up their butt about Twilight. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's just weird shit. It's like a fun, weird version of these things. Like, not all the movies are good, but especially the last three get so weird in an interesting way. <laughs> yeah. They're fun to rewatch drunk with people. I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Or drunk alone, like I just oh, did. Or- yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Adam, what about your history with Stuart? Were you um, a fan around the Twilight time, or was it a bit earlier later? What, what's your history with her? Uh, well, I sort of knew her in things before Twilight. Like, um, I think the first thing I saw her in was probably Panic Room. Yeah. Uh, but then I remember, like, you know, The Messengers... And Zathura and a couple movies like that before Twilight came. And I'm, I'm right with you guys. You know, the thing about the Twilight movies is, you know, these aren't my werewolves or vampires. Guess what? Assholes. They're not real creatures. <laughs> you, you 
can do whatever you want with them. It doesn't change anything at all. And I think they're fine. And I, I don't understand sort of the flack she still unfortunately receives because uh, of those movies. It, it's it's a little ridiculous at this point. Yeah, and even Pattinson still gets it to some degree. Another yeah. person who I would love to devote an episode to because I think the thing is with the two of them, oh, like they, they obviously came up with these Twilight movies that were such big successes. And then both of them took the acclaim that they got from that. And she's like, okay, now we can do whatever the hell we want. And mm-hmm. they've really embraced doing whatever the hell they wanted with especially Kristen Stewart has gone over to like do a bunch of Olivia Osseus films, but then also go back to like, hey, I'll do like some big studio movies at the same time. I don't care. I'll do whatever yeah. interests me. And I think that's the thing is she and Pattinson both come off as very sincere in terms of like, they just really love the craft of being able to act in movies. And they just like being able to do whatever and just have a huge sample platter of just weird things to do. And I think Stewart has especially done a great job of that all with her curious tics that make her like that was criticism at the time of twilight and now it's just become like oh this is just her actually getting into a subject and actually being able to embrace the character yeah no definitely it's it's funny like that's a good way to put it that sort of the tics that turn people off in the twilight thing have come to define her as sort of almost an acting style it's uh it's pretty cool to see that sort of you know total 180 but also, like, if you look at a Twilight books in itself, it's not a great character to play. There's nothing to do with it. So she was doing the best she could with it, and I think she got pigeonholed in it. And then she, after Snow White, she was like, I'm done with mainstream. And she has, she didn't do it until last year. Right, that's interesting. We are going to be talking about two of her more mainstream projects. I even realized yeah. the two ones we're doing came out within two months of each other. Yep. Which is oh, wow. weird to even think about. <laughs> yeah, because this was, like, I guess her sort of little return Back to mainstream to cinema. Mainstream. Yeah, yep. that's true. Um, and the two films we're talking about, if uh, you aren't aware, we uh, pick two movies at the end of uh, the previous episode. And in this case, we have uh, The Good Pick, which was picked by both uh, myself, this is one of my choices, but also our Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash dedvpod uh, voted for this good pick, which ended up being Underwater. And then the bad pick, uh, which was Adam's choice, ended up being the 2019 version of Charlie's Angels. So yeah, two of her more mainstream projects. And now let's go ahead and jump into Underwater. scale from one to ten how bad's my rig ten we drilled to the bottom of the ocean and we don't know what came out gotta get to the station how did we even get there we walk what was that turn your lights off So uh, Underwater came out January 10th, 2020, um, stars Kristen Stewart, obviously, and a cast of mostly cool people and someone else. We'll, we'll address <laughs> that later. Um, but interestingly, it is the last film released under the 20th Century Fox production banner. Uh, so if you watch this movie, you'll see the last time that logo was ever used. That's fucking wild to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with that logo. That's, well, I guess we all did, technically. Uh, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, and it's also interesting given the first movie that was released under the new title of 20th Century Studios 
was called The Wild. Oh, yeah. And the last movie released under, like, before they changed their name to 20th Century Fox, back in the 30s, was the 30s version of Call of the Wild. <laughs> That's just a weird, like, circular thing. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so we're talking about Underwater, though, uh, which came out in January of 2020, obviously, right before the pandemic, uh, but it didn't do very well um, at the time. It uh, made $41 million. This was even pre-COVID like, being an issue. It just withered on the vine in January of that year. Um, and I did see this like later in the year, and I remember uh, really digging it myself. But I'm very curious about uh, Ariane, because you said this is one you hadn't seen. Yeah, that was one of her only one I hadn't seen before. I'm not the biggest like horror thriller fan, so that's why I think I never went to see it. Mm-hmm. But then I watched it this week. And I was like, what is this cast? Every time, I was like, what is this cast? It's insane. <laughs> That's true. And what did you think of the film overall? I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I don't... I just... It's not the type of movie I usually gravitate towards. But I like... Like, this movie wastes no time to jump in. Like, literally. It was five minutes in and people were dying. And I was like, what is happening? I thought that I was watching the wrong movie for a second. I was like, there's no introduction. We just go straight in. And I I liked it. It's very thin in terms of characters. I didn't know anyone's name except for hers. But it, it's fun. I, I would agree that I think I really liked it the first time. I think just because I had such low expectation. Watching it again, I will say, went slightly down for me, if nothing else. I think it's a case where it's a very thin alien ripoff script. Um, yes, it to, is. You, you, you kind of spoke about the opening, where pretty much after the scene where she's brushing her teeth in the bathroom, uh, Kristen Stewart, like, immediately is in the middle of a huge action sequence. The movie <laughs> basically cuts a first act. Like, this movie is yeah. has no, like, big introductory first act whatsoever, just really steams ahead in a way that I admire. And I think, if anything, the biggest scenes where it kind of falls are when they do kind of pause to have some character moments that are maybe not the most interesting or nuanced. Uh, but I think when it's, like, really embracing being this, like, taut, horror thriller movie i think it's a lot of fun uh but adam i know you're a fan of this one right yeah no i fucking love this movie man it's uh i don't know what it is maybe it's because this was um probably one of the first newer movies i watched once the uh the pandemic sort of started so maybe that was kind of like something new it kind of endeared itself to me a little bit but um a i'm a sucker for anything lovecraft 100 percent b I love the look of the movie from the suits to the sort of designs of the stations to some of the best faux underwater uh, special effects I've ever seen, even with them in the suits and the way they move, the way they walk, everything. It looks so good. I mean, just amazing green screen work, if it even is green screen. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. I'm really kind of a sucker for this movie. Now, I, I do you know, have to agree the character development is not necessarily super fleshed out with the characters you're kind of supposed to care about. They give you enough. And that's all I really need in this because in the grand scheme of it, you know, they're all going to be brutally killed for the most part. (laughs) So I don't, you know, it's okay for me not to be super endeared to every single one of them, especially one, especially one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I really, really dig this movie. I think Kristen Stewart uh, shows in this movie that, I mean, She's a capable lead in almost any kind of thing you want to put her in. Like, this is her movie. This is, she's playing the Ripley character, and she does a 
damn fine job of it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely aiming to be sort of like an alien-adjacent film. I think that's part of the appeal is it feels kind of like a movie they don't really make anymore. The script felt like it was straight up like the mid-90s around the time of like a Deep Rising or some shit like that. Where it, it's, it feels like, hey, it's a very basic premise. It has like a monster of some sort. And it's a bunch of people who are getting picked off one by one. Um, that would have, you know, come out in the mid-90s and probably starred instead of Kristen Stewart. Somebody like a Jodie Foster weirdly yeah who, like was her mom in uh, Panda <laughs> um but it shows that i definitely agree that she's very versatile and i think it's like i said most of this cast is like very interesting where you got like Vincy cassell shows up um or john gallagher jr or i guess we should just get this out of the way now um this was the last big movie that tj miller was in um after all of his various issues that came about and i'll say that um one fuck that dude we're all in agreement on fuck that dude everyone said it we, we, everyone's resties fuck that dude too um even then i don't think that i think that paul character is the weakest one of the ensemble because he's such a thin comic relief character who even if you had like a non-piece of shit person playing that part i don't know how much interest they would have in that character with like oh he listens to the punk version of spongebob and he has a little tiny like rabbit or whatever i don't give a shit <laughs> about this guy He's got fucking cool tattoos. <laughs> I think the case of this movie is we care about the actors, so that's how we care about those characters. Like, I cared about Jessica Endrick's character because I fucking love her in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for TJ's character because I don't give a shit about him. But I agree, he's the weakest one of the link. Like, Vince, even, like, Cassell is... He's good, but like you, you're dumped information about him, and you're like, oh, okay, okay. And I think you're right that this movie doesn't have a first act, and I think that's where it's kind of like would have benefited from one to introduce those characters, so we're not just like learning about them in the middle of the action, which is the best part of the movie. Yeah, but I think I'll say at the same time, I like the fact that the movie doesn't waste that much time, even when like they do kind of stop to have these character moments. They still aren't like spending a huge amount of time talking about that and they're still just getting into like oh shit we have to deal with the situation that's going i think that's the biggest thing i can praise about it is really it's the combination of them that most of that cast and also the director william eubanks i think does a great job of keeping the pace of this movie so tight the whole time like right from the start where we were talking about that sequence where kristen stewart is running and then eventually trying to get that freaking door to close you are so invested like oh my gosh you gonna do it what the hell's gonna happen you're already so into this moment that you're just like what the fuck just oh my gosh you're gonna close this it's gonna go through yeah it's a really tense bit and i think the best scenes in this movie do such a great job of especially the claustrophobic tension whether it be inside that hallway or like in the suits i love how the suits look so big and like all oh, these are so badass but also oh they're incredibly cumbersome and they constantly fuck up and people like <laughs> die horribly in them all the time yeah i agree dude it, it, and you know also, they light up like fucking Christmas trees, you know, <laughs> under the water, and you're like, oh, this isn't going to be good for anybody. And it, I mean, it truly, it is not. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. This movie starts on fucking, you know, gear 10 and basically doesn't light up. Um, so that's kind of why I kind of appreciate that it starts off that way, because it is a brisk watch. I mean, it's on and exciting and it's over before you know it and i just walk away feeling excited about it my adrenaline was pumping a little bit i love the end sort of reveal um it's just it really really fucking just is a roller coaster breeze of a movie for me but yeah no uh oh one thing i wanted to add yeah uh fuck tj miller right like he's in this (laughs) 
And he like he has like thirsty boy lines. And like, dude, this fucking guy. Like, it's just so stupid. And it is a weak character. And you know, I I think I agree with you, Thomas. No matter who would have played it, the character would have been bad. It it is way worse because it's TJ Miller. But I don't think anybody you would have given it to, it would have really made a difference. And plus you kind of know like, oh, he's that character is definitely going to die. So I think that's kind of the point of the character. I mean, all the alien movies have that one character. You're like, oh, they're, they're definitely going to die. Like it's so telegraphed. And he was that character in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind somebody like say like a Sam Richardson, maybe I think would have done a fun turn at that part was the one I was thinking of the whole time who I would have wished could have been like army of the dead CG din. Like Tignataro style, as opposed to this person. Yeah, yeah. Our... I feel like today would it, this character would be played by a woman, a bit like they did with Tig's character in Army of the Dead, where like they would have been okay, rewrite this and make it a woman, so it's less misogynistic the way they say they set up that character. But yeah, M- maybe yeah, that, that could also work. Uh, but uh, what about um, Ariane? How did you feel about sort of like the bigger horror set piece? Even though you're not as big into the horror stuff, were you like engrossed, especially when they were like underwater and everything? No, I enjoyed it. It's not like slasher horror, so like it's very alien ripoff. Uh, so like, and I love alien, uh, but yeah, no, it it would like the creature were scary-ish. Like I knew when, like I knew when a jump scare was about to happen. It's like those type of movies where you're like, oh, having fun with it, but also like it never lets off, so you know exactly what's gonna happen, but you also enjoy it because it's it's not stop. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think particularly, again, I was talking about, like, the way they achieved that. I th- I found out, apparently, they shot all the underwater stuff on, like, dark black stages and just had, like, the lights funnel through. And then they added all, like, the algae and stuff over with, like, CG. And I think that's a great way to do it. I think especially when, like, I, I feel the weight of all those suits as they're going under. It feels almost like you're playing along with, like, a, um, a Bioshock game or something like that, where you feel, like, the true weight and cumbersomeness of those suits as they're going around. Or even the POV shots look so great when they're trying to, like, discover things, like, especially when they find that body um, that has, like, the thing that pops out of it. I think it, it looks, like, so much, like, oh, this thing has been decaying for so long underwater. And then when this thing pops up, you're immediately just sort of like, oh, my God, it's a really good example of a jump scare <laughs> with that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the... The fact that it's mostly practical is really good. Like, I think it would have lost a lot of what it did if it was all, like, blue screen, no real suit, and it's all, like, CG like they did for Green Lantern. Um, <laughs> but I think because it's practical, you can see the weight of it when they walk, which I really appreciated because you could tell that these actors did not want to be in those suits. And they were annoyed. <laughs> and it sold the characters, so I was into it. Yeah, and I think particularly, like, Stewart feels like someone who would, like, embrace that kind of thing. You feel like she's embracing being, like, this action hero inside of this suit, but at the same time, she's embracing the fact that this is super uncomfortable, and I hate being in this thing. But at the same time, the character would also, as they're trying to bound around, just surrounded by horrible threats. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's incredibly effective. And what a, like, a, a smart way to sort of really cut cost. You don't have to get them in, like, a diving pool. You don't have to do mm-hmm. any of that. It's really smart. And, yeah, it genuinely feels like they are deep, deep in, you know, the ocean and under the surface. And it, it's just, yeah, I agree. It's so claustrophobic and it's so terrifying. And it is so dark. Like, there's just infinite blackness. It's, uh, yeah, it uh, the setting alone is terrifying. Let alone the, you know, 
the incredibly designed creatures and everything else. Yeah, I like how they also establish how fucked the ship is right away after that opening sequence, where like you see the one part of the ship from the outside or the the, the base wherever they're at like contract. So it's just like, oh, everything's cut off. And then, like, even the, the great bit with Kristen Stewart talking to Vince Cassell, like, how screwed over is my ship on a scale of 1 to 10? A 10. Like, we're, we're so <laughs> fucked. We, you, you're, we're unbelievably fucked down here. Um, and I, I think it also helps, that, like, Adam kind of mentioned this, but the fact that it ends up being the Cthulhu mythos kind of thing, I think is, like, it's so smartly laid out where they don't immediately identify that it's Cthulhu, but you just see this, like, the shot where like Kristen Stewart's walking around, like she sees all these other smaller monsters, and then they all float away, and you see, oh, what are they floating toward? Oh my god, this thing that's so yeah. unfathomably massive. That shot is so great. I cannot stress enough how big of a fucking like sort of <laughs> pop reaction I had when it was Cthulhu. I, I I was like, what? Wait, wait, what? Are they fucking? They're fucking doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it just. It blew my mind. I never in a hundred years would have expected it, man. But when she shoots off that fucking flare and you just see it kind of like strobe lighting in worst case scenario. There you go. There it is. You're done. Your ship's already blown <laughs> up. Your, your station's blown up. Now you have this thing as big as a skyscraper that is now just kind of, it's coming after you. It's going to kill you. Oh man. I'm getting all, all piggly wiggly thinking about it now. <laughs> It's it's so awesome. I cannot believe they had the, the balls to kind of just go there and be like, yeah, deal with it. Like, it's pretty crazy. Like, yeah, here's our explanation. It's fucking Cthulhu. What an awesome way just, yeah, we don't really have to explain any of it because you guys already kind of know what this is. And there you go. And even for the characters, like, it doesn't really matter. It's just like, oh, it's just a, a giant yeah. horrible sea monster thing. <laughs> the point is, yeah. this is in our way. It doesn't matter if it's actually Cthulhu or not. Uh, but Aaron, were you as... To quote Adam Piggly Wiggly over that review? <laughs> Not really, but I liked it. I think it was like a good way to make it, make it look like so much di more difficult for her. Because at first I was like, they're going to figure this out at some point. And when that happened, I was like, oh, okay, no, you're fucked. And then the whole last act of her alone, I was like, how the fuck are you getting out of this? Because there's no way she can beat this thing. So how are you going to do it now? Yeah, and I also like the fact that they kind of gradually reveal the other monsters that are surrounding the Cthulhu creature. Like, they were initially introduced to, like, that little spindly, like, baby thing or whatever that they bring back onto the ship. And it's like, okay, we might be able to take care of this. But then, oh, we <laughs> see, like, more humanoid monsters gradually. Or, like, the bit where she goes into the cave to try and save John Gallagher Jr. <laughs> and she sees, like, oh my god, these these things are bigger than we imagined. And then, oh, how could this possibly get worse? And it's <laughs> fucking Cthulhu. That's how worse it gets. <laughs> I, I think that they ratchet up the tension of, like, oh my god, this threat is even more and more impossible. Down to even, like, when Stuart kind of, you know, you mentioned, like, how she can't get out of this. The fact that she doesn't. I think they do such a great yeah. job of embracing the fact that, like, she is this selfless person who, like, really especially has felt so bad at the start of the movie, having all these people die around her, and as gradually, like, everyone else dies. She's like, you know, I'm, I, I don't f want this to happen to, like, these two. I want to, like, at least have my last act be this, like, notable, like, sacrificial moment to save these two. Yo, that fucking thing swallows her whole, dude. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that was such a cool scene too and disgusting and brilliantly shot especially from her pov from the side profile where you just sort of see its innards when it's swallowing her it was so cool and, and there you go right there you're like oh this can't 
get anywhere. It's like these things could just swallow her whole. Oh, wait. <laughs> it gets so <laughs> much worse. Uh, but, Ariane, I'm curious. So, given you're a big Stewart fan, and this is one of her more, like, action-heavy parts, uh, how do you feel Stewart kind of separates herself, especially as an action hero, from the usual type? How do you think she makes herself distinct amongst, as you mentioned, this is kind of like a Ripley-adjacent part. What do you think makes her distinct from the other also-rans of someone like Nell and Ripley, or other action heroes in general? Ooh. I mean... I, we talked about her like mannerism and I think that's what makes her a part in every world that she does but this one particularly she has this tick that she does over and over again I kept seeing it I was like what the hell is she doing but it's very like her character where she always like goes over her head and like it's something she does with her hair all the time even in interviews but it works so well with this character who's so stressed out and I think that's she's the only character who really has like an arc and like you can see that like Stuart put a lot of effort into thinking about this character and like from the beginning you see oh she is broken even before anything starts and I think that's what Krista does so well is like a lot of people say that she doesn't emote but like the way she emotes is so subtle to me that it works so well with this character who's supposed to be like you can tell that she's not she's close with with most of that crew but she's also very closed off which I like because usually the act like the Ripley character is always so open about everything and she's like the badass girl, but she never feels like this. And I think it's like so different than what we've seen from Crested Seward before. Yeah, it kind of fits into like what I like about Seward's other performances that is that she feels like she's an introvert who can be sociable enough to at least like harbor that decent relationships with people where like in this movie in particular like i agree i think she has so many moments where she is very introspective and closed off um particularly like earlier on even when she's thinking about the spider and putting together like how would you be here what's going yeah. on here like she she has like this internal logic i agree i don't think that's the big thing that like separates her from so many other action heroes is that she has this like believable worry wart kind of th uh, like personality to her where she's even when she has like her big action moment near the end it is like at the seat of her pants skin of her teeth like that she's able to get that yeah. thing to go off or any of these other moments where like she's trying to be uh comforting with like the other people but she clearly has like too much of like a distance as a person because of the tragedy in her life it's i think it's a great job of like she saw this very thin character on the page where like oh she's upset because her boyfriend died before the yeah. start of the movie and she's like i am going to milk as much subtle <laughs> nuance as i can out of this and she really does i think she really elevates the material yeah and then she also like what i like about the character is she doesn't do anything on the first try like fixing those computer takes her five or six times and like he's like oh you're an engineer she's like not that kind of engineer like it's all right. the little things where i'm like okay i like this that they're setting up like she's not gonna figure it out all the time and even, like, the only real, like, action scene she has is when she's building her suit when she's lost by herself. The rest is really, like, her just barely making it out. Right, and even then with that suit, I love that she also barely gets out of that, too, where Jessica Henry yeah. has to, like, destroy her helmet in order for her to breathe <laughs> after a certain point. Yeah, would, yeah. You, would you agree with all that, Adam? Oh, definitely, yeah. My, my favorite part of the character is that she's not sort of, like, you know, Wonder Woman. She is, she's a ball of stress. She's an introvert. <laughs> she she's just she's fucked up a little bit like just she's doing whatever she can just to sort of deal with whatever current problem is and then get to the next one they have to sort of fucking deal with that too she's just doing the 
best she can at any given moment. And yeah, she just wears the sort of stress on her sleeve, being overwhelmed by the entire situation and that having to use, use whatever knowledge she has to just sort of save all these people. Um, and she is in no way, another thing about sort of her performance in this as sort of the action stars and there is not one sort of over the top, get away from her, you bitch moment. It's just, she's just dealing with it in any way she knows how to the best of her ability, sort of the whole movie. And it's kind of refreshing that she's just not this ultra super tough badass. She's just a normal person who's got flaws and sort of limitations, but she's doing what she can to get out of this extreme situation. Yeah, though at the same time she's able to have like badass moments, like particularly the last shot of her with like the water rising up as the station's about to explode is such a cool damn shot <laughs> it's just like it's, yeah it looks so great oh for sure yeah that's sort of the crescendo of her character where she's like fuck it this is how i'm gonna do it and i'm accepting this and fuck you cthulhu <laughs> if she's that much of a bad she kind of kills cthulhu by the end maybe well, Who we knows? think we think yeah. right but she does say fuck you to cthulhu and at least hurts it yeah. Like, that's pretty badass. <laughs> but even then, she wasn't going to do it until she sees that her friends are in danger. That's the only moment. And now she was yeah. just giving up and be like, I guess I'm dying down here. <laughs> Which I was like, it's very like refreshing to see where she was like, the explosion wasn't her first thought. It was when she saw, oh, fuck, they're going after them. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. And then she's like, okay, now time to blow myself up. Which I like because it's different. Usually the her- like the hero in a movie will blow themselves up to save the day right away. But she like they gave her a moment to like realize what she needed to do. Right. Yeah. I I would definitely agree with all that. But let's go ahead, let's go into our final thoughts here on Underwater. Uh Ariana, you go first. Go ahead, your final thoughts on the film. It's a fun movie. Um I don't know if I will rewatch it like soonish but it was a fun like little like it's what it's an hour and a half not like even um so it's a good like little like uh stressful half an hour and a half where like it's just non-stop action which i can appreciate what it tried to do all right and adam your final thoughts i mean i i kind of already said i get piggly wiggly thinking about it you know what i mean i i fucking i i love this movie i've watched it i think four times now I tend to show it to everybody who hasn't seen it um, as often as I can. Uh, I think it sort of got lost. A, it was released in January, which, as we all know, is sort of dumping ground, especially for horror films. And obviously the pandemic hit and everything, so I don't think it really got the chance. But I can definitely see this one having lasting power, um, especially in the realm of sort of sci-fi horror. Uh, I think it's brilliantly designed, brilliantly realized, really well acted except for tj miller because fuck that guy and you know it's also got uh cthulhu is in this goddamn movie uh so yeah i love this yeah aside from some of the issues with the writing and obviously that one particular part of the cast i would say this is still like a very fun movie and i think it's a great example of as we mentioned kristen stewart taking material that could be a lot more familiar in lesser hands and i think uh doing a great job of uh balancing out her character really making her have a bit more nuance than i think is on the page there but also a lot of credit to like william ubex who does a really great job of like really immersing you in this like very fraught situation and really playing up the claustrophobia and the building tension of realizing what this threat is ultimately. Um, and also like most of the other cast members. Yeah. I think do as, as good a job as you really can with taking what I think would have been like a, 
mediocre, like, all right, this is fine movie, making it a much better than, than average. If you had told me the premise of like, oh, it's a bunch of people underwater trying to stop a bunch of monsters. I'm like, eh, that could go either way. And I think this went mostly positive uh, for that. Before we go into our next film, here this promo for another ESO show. You can queue up right after ours. Dragon Con 2021 is scheduled for Labor Day weekend, and whether it's an in-person event or once again goes virtual, the Dragon Con Report podcast crew will cover the con right up to the big event. So sit back with your bucket of brown, dragon's mead, apple pie, or whatever your beverage of choice, and tune in to the latest news, notes, interviews, discussions, and even a dragon tale or two on the Dragon Con Report, a proud member of the ESO Network. Check us out at dragonconreport.com. And now let's get into our second feature, Charlie's Angels. You want to be an angel? I've had a taste. I want in. Good morning, angels. Good morning, Charlie. Don't forget to smile. In your dreams. It's the day drinking. That's what I like the most. We're still in the first closet. There's another closet. Whoa. You're in grave danger. We gotta go. You wanna run away with me? You're so desperate. So yeah, Charlie's Angels uh, came out November 15th, 2019, only like less than two months before <laughs> Underwater, um, uh, and stars Stewart along with uh, two other cast members, Naomi Scott and Ella Bolinska, um, who obviously are starring in this adaptation of Charlie's Angels, which was an old 70s series that had had a couple film adaptations previously, starring Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, and this is the newer reboot attempt. Uh, that uh, came out, and uh, I was very curious, especially hearing uh, from Ariane after I told you this was uh, the other pick, <laughs> that uh, you're a pretty big fan of this one, right? Yeah, I fucking love this movie. I've se- I think I saw it three times in theaters. I-, I love Charlie's Angel, so I'm not difficult to please when it's Charlie's Angel adaptation, but yeah, I love this movie. Wow, okay. It's not one that a lot of people defend. I'm glad to have yeah. a-, a pretty big defender <laughs> on the show. I'm, I'm curious to hear more. Uh, but Adam, this was your bad pick. Um, and I'm curious, uh, do you uh, think it's that bad? You know, on first watch, yes, I did. Rewatching it for the show, it's fine. I don't hate it. I don't think it's great. I have a lot of issues with some of it, especially sort of the um, the way the action is shot. I think it's it's sort of haphazard and lazy. I hate the Photoshop stuff. It is atrocious. But... I think our sort of topic of the evening, our woman of the hour, Kristen Stewart, is fucking slaying it in this movie. She is having such a good time. And to me, she is on such a level above everyone else in the movie. Um, So for that, I found it more enjoyable this time, for sure. Yeah, I hadn't seen it uh, because it wasn't a huge success uh, when it came out. Um, It Made about $73 million, still a $55 million budget, so it didn't necessarily garner a huge amount of success in theaters. Um, and I hadn't seen it until doing it for the show. Um, and, you know, I'll say I agree that, like, I thought it was fine. I didn't really have a huge amount of issue with the cast or, I think, even the script of it. I think this would have been, I think, a bit more fun if maybe it was uh, Elizabeth Banks is the writer-director. I think she wrote a fun movie. I think maybe if you got a more experienced action director behind it i think it would have been a bit more enjoyable because my biggest problem really is uh the action sequences are uh very poorly edited i would say and um have some interesting choreography but are just like it feels weirdly stiff i think with the action beach which is a bummer because i think if you took the same script and same cast and got a more experienced director there like i would even say like a kathy yan 
who did Birds of Prey, I think this movie would be a blast. And as it stands, I think it's a really good movie in search of at least a better visual style to me. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. Twist. <laughs> I love this movie, but I agree with the action scenes. Um, you could tell that Elizabeth Banks does not know how to direct action. And I think it would have benefited from like having someone else direct those scenes. Like I know there's some movies that have done that. Um, but I it's I love this movie because it's probably the most fun Kristen Stewart has in any of her films. Where she actually gets to like I think that was one of her first comedic role. And like after that I was like, she just needs to do comedies nonstop. It, what I like about it is that it doesn't try and redo charlie's angels it builds upon charlie's angels which i because you can't erase those movies and those fair faucets tv show and i think that's why i i love it so much it's because it just acknowledged the history of charlie's angel and it's just like well, we're gonna build upon it but i agree the action scenes are not great they're edited very poorly and i think it does hurt the movie a lot yeah i i think it's it's a shame because like i think what i also like about it i agree that it doesn't go as much for like trying to recreate even the McG movies which were very stylized and silly but i think what it does embrace in a way that those other movies didn't because those movies are very like early 2000s late 90s like spice girls girl power kind of movies <laughs> where it's very thin just like girls are great but we're not going to really go much further than that um and we're also <laughs> going to over sexualize them um at the same time definitely did a lot of that but i think this movie does a great job of at least embracing the fact that like the it's that being a spy in a charlie's angel setting is a bit more like emotionally open like i like that there's bits where it's just like, like somebody died let's have a moment to like try and emotionally grab with it let's hug each other or some shit like that or even i think my favorite scene of the whole movie is after the big explosion happens and kristen stewart and uh ella Belinska have a really good like heart-to-heart moment where she, ella Belinska thinks she's died and it's like i don't even think you that gave them much of a shit about me i don't know i'm kind of annoying <laughs> and, like it's a really <laughs> honest like sort of emotional bit between the two of them like oh man this is there's so many moments where i'm just almost frustrated because like there's a really great movie in here yeah. <laughs> that i want to embrace even more but it's just like slightly hampered by some of the the action stuff yeah it's, I think the the problem with this movie is it would have benefited from maybe reshoots. I don't know if they had any with that budget. But I think, like, even the last, like, scene, I was like, you're ruining your movie by having, like, the comedic moments. But, like, the problem with this movie is the fact that, like, the characters don't know each other at first. And then they know each other. And then by the end, you're like, oh, okay. Like, they love each other. But the way it's edited... It makes it look like no time has passed when you can tell that time has a lot passed a lot. And if it wasn't for those three actresses and their chemistry, I don't know if this movie would have done like it would have had an impact for me as much as it did. I, I actually 100% agree with you. Um, I think the three leads do have per- really good chemistry together. Um, like I said, I think Kristen Stewart's sort of the shining, shining uh, example of the three, but they're all really good, really capable. Um, Elizabeth Banks is perfectly fun as Bosley. Um, Jamin Hansu is great in it. I love, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy who played sort of the, the heavy, the assassin. Jonathan uh, Tucker. Really weird. Yeah, really weird weird turn to see Jonathan Tucker as a heavy, because I always remember from Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what the hell? The action, she needed either A, uh, an entire different director or be sort of a second unit to handle yeah. most of the action. Um, and I think the script needed one more pass. I think it's almost there, but it's just, 
I never feel really the weight of anything that's happening in the movie as far as the plot, as the villains and things like that. Like, I, I don't, I don't care. And especially in an action movie, if you don't care about sort of the stakes of what's happening, then it's hard to sort of appreciate any of the buildup to it. Like, it just, it didn't matter to me. I think it probably would have benefited from being more of a spy comedy than necessarily action specific. Cause I feel like the action scenes feel almost like we have to have them. And that's why it feels like, Oh, we have to like obligatorily have this because the previous Charlie's angels kind of did that as well. As opposed to, I think the best moments in this movie are really when they have these comedic points around like a spy situation. Like my favorite, like, set piece as it were it's not an action one it's the whole thing where they're seeking into the one um science lab and they all have the same disguise on and i think yeah. that's the, i think the best example of like uh the direction from elizabeth banks where there's that whole sequence where they're each of them are like walking around a different part of the office building and you can't really tell like who's who and where is where at that specific moment but she does such a great job of like really keeping you immersed in like okay one person's off doing this the other person's doing this and i think there's a lot of uh sort of fun in seeing especially um like i think ella Bolansky has like the most time to shine where like she's destroying that one place and uh, the Noah Centeno guys are just like, hey, maybe you shouldn't, like, you, you can't really touch any of that stuff. <laughs> that's not stuff you should really be touching unless you're authorized to do so. Like, that's where he has a lot of fun with her, even the bit where Naomi Scott, who people might recognize from, like, Aladdin and other stuff like that, is, like, doing her big speech during the meeting, where she's like, I want to be a part of this, I think I'm capable. And they're all <laughs> like, you're, that was so great, but, like, you're in the meeting, we were going to involve you in this. Like, you don't have to really prove yourself. Like, we were going to give you the iPad after I was done talking. <laughs> and shit like that. That's like a really great... And even Kristen Stewart reacting like, did that feel good? Because it felt like it felt good. You know, I could <laughs> see it from over here. Yeah, that sequence and the sequence where they're trying to go into that silo thing where, like, Ella just goes by herself and Kristen Stewart's just like, what the fuck is happening? And, like, it's at the physical comedy moment in those action scenes, that's where this movie shines. And I think that's why they got Elizabeth Banks to do it because she did such a good job with the Pitch Perfect trilogy and those comedic moments in that movie. Uh, but I agree. It, sh it should have had someone to help her at least for those action sequences because I think it would have been a much better movie if those action sequences worked much better yeah and they also would have even sold the joke better like even the way jonathan tucker ends up dying like i love that mm -hmm. moment where like he ends up like getting impaled and uh sam claflin is sort of like our main uh tech villain it's just like why does this keep happening why is everyone dying around me like that's a really funny bit but i think we've been sold even better by a fun action sequence proceeding as opposed yeah. to it really feels like you're just kind of standing around and throwing punches as opposed to like any kind of choreography there yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. And I, I do sort of agree with you again, Thomas, and I, this is very rare that I'm agreeing with this much, and I don't really like it, but that this would have really worked a little bit better as sort of a spy espionage spoofish type movie. Uh, not necessarily a spoof in the typical sense, but poking fun at the seriousness of, like, you know, the earlier James Bond's movies, or, like, you know, even, like, if they would have gone full hog wild and like done like a moonraker where it's so impossibly silly, but it works in this universe. Um, the fact that they leaned a little too heavy on everything's got to have crazy car chases and gunfights and everything because of the Avengers movies and the Marvel movies and, you know, the Bourne movies and even the new James Bond movies, I think hurt it because it's hard to stand out, especially 
in the field of those movies when they're done by, you know, the best of the best. And to sort of try to do that and also have a team-up movie and also have it be all the stuff, it, it feels like he gets a little bit lost in the shuffle, which is unfortunate uh, because I would absolutely be down for a, a campy Charlie's Angels send-up of the spy genre, which, honestly, logically, that would kind of be the only way to go moving forward mm-hmm. if they're going again. When you guys uh, say that, I just think of Johnny English. Like a type of movie right, like yeah, that, right. like that would have worked so much. But now you guys say that, I'm like, yep, that would have been so good. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think it, it really embraced the silliness. I think because there's a lot of silly moments, even with like Stewart, especially, just just really embraced the fact that this yeah. is kind of camp. I think that's that's the big thing that she really embraces, and also just a big credit to the costume designers for like I love all the different outfits she puts on, particularly by the time she gets like the pink jockey outfit. That's so <laughs> ridiculous. Like I love so that. Ridiculous. But even how, like, they have, like, the closet, and she's just like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you can just borrow these and then bring them back. Like, oh, we're supposed to bring them back. That's the part that she didn't even recognize. That's what I I love is because she plays, like, this entitled rich girl who just got picked out to be a a spy, and she thinks she's still entitled to those. And you have this little comedic moment that Chris is so good with them that you're like, why haven't you been doing comedies this whole time? I mean, yeah, she'd done comedies before this. Um, that uh, a few sure. like uh, I'm gonna be when we do the double redo. One of my yeah. recommendations is is a comedy, but I agree. I think she hasn't done at least like more silly stuff like this. Yeah, I think this is her fully embracing being like, oh, I am going full comedy right down to like the opening sequence is so fun with her playing like oh i'm a ditzy blonde who's trying to like to basically seduce this guy who i'm trying to get information from yeah i, I love the way that she plays where she's like oh, i believe a woman can do anything <laughs> if they really put their minds to it and everything else like that she's almost kind of spoofing like the earlier charlie's angels movies by yeah. doing that <laughs> which is so great yeah you know the thing is she's got manic madness about her in it because and it's i and i hate to use the word because i don't think it's a compliment but she's you know she's quirky and i i don't think that's a compliment i think that's what it is. <laughs> but that's the way she sort of plays it to where she's just off in her own world all the time all the time even when she's working in them as a team she's not on the level that they are you know in any way professionally or anything but yet she's still might be the most capable one because of that. Like she just has no fear, no whatever, no reservations about anything she says, anything she does. She has no filter. And uh, I think it's just a great sort of character to throw in, you know, this sort of action heavy spy movie, especially where, you know, one of them is super serious and the other one's a newbie. And then you got kind of the mix between the two where she's capable, but she's also like, kind of like eh, this is kind of stupid this is a little ridiculous what we're doing right and it's 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 really refreshing and it's, it's such a fun character like i would follow that character <laughs> in its her own movie i really really would i think she could really pull it off yeah i would i would really dig like an action comedy kristen stewart vehicle quite a lot if they were if she was able to to get that put together ariana what do you think sort of like makes her especially stand out amongst like other sort of like comedic beats what do you think she kind of adds to mainstream comics that you don't usually see in a performance like this i feel like she's like she takes it to the extreme where like at times i'm like she's not in the same movie as the other two girls and i think like to me because after twilight she went really like independent movies where like i'm like it's so different for her and then the way she hits those comedy beats it's so like 
like it's on point every time where I'm like and even when you look at the bloopers you can see that she's having fun with it and I think that's why I love this movie so much is that she's having fun and I don't think we see her having fun a lot in in movies that she has where I'm like you are in your own world right now and I'm totally in it with you because it's so fun to watch her like do those little things and like even I don't like that word quirky like she's quirky and sometimes but it's I don't know, like to describe like that performance to me is probably the best she was she's been in a like in like a big action movie. Um because usually she always plays like the the love interest or like that type of character or like the damsel in distress and this one I mean underwater she does it, but it's such a different role for her to have where she's like she's totally capable of doing everything in this one. Yeah, you get the sense that she's very much like a devil may care kind of Uh, action hero that's like really sort of not willing to embrace like oh there's some kind of threat that's going on i don't care i'm just gonna go headlong into it she's the reckless one in a way that feels like really believable and fun and i think really bounces off the other two so well and even like where naomi scott i think like she um also works really well as sort of like the the one who's thrust into this who isn't an agent initially and then ultimately Mm -hmm. becomes one i think she really embraces the fact that like she doesn't know everything and she constantly screws up like especially with the mints I think it's like her like really fun comedic set piece. I'm like, oh, it's the other side. <laughs> and even like Kristen Stewart comment, I'm like, oh, is, did she knock herself out? <laughs> so like, that's the thing. Like, that's what's so frustrating. It's like, this got a weird kind of backlash that's obviously like internet misogyny is dumb of like, oh my God, Charlie's Angels movie. Uh, we're, we're, like there was that weird kind of thing around it before it eventually just dissipated. And it's such a bummer because like, I, I would have loved to have seen like this been like a pretty fun like a uh, weightless action comedy that we just don't get anymore even especially starring like a bunch of women i, I it would be so awesome i just think like there's there was a, some stuff where like elizabeth thanks was talking about like oh people don't really care about female-led action movies as much um unless it's building into a narrative like a bigger universe like captain marvel mm-hmm. or wonder woman and i think that's part of the problem i can see that but also i think the other thing is it's a shame they had to attach this to charlie's angels where quite frankly no one gives a shit anymore <laughs> like the reason it worked in the 2000s was because people still had nostalgia for the 70s yeah. like if you watch the 2000 charlie's angels that one is fully immersed in like it fucking cameron diaz comes out and she's dancing to heaven's missing an angel <laughs> like it's yeah. fully still in 70s nostalgia but they've been able to make like a movie that wasn't so attached to charlie's angels just be like a fun secret agent comedy movie starring these three ladies i think it would have been a much more warmly received movie and I also think it was marketed so wrong, mm-hmm. where, like, they made it look like it was such a big action movie, and it's mostly a comedy. At the, Like, the beats are mostly comedic, but the trailers never gave you that. It was all action, action, action. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, it's only another basic-ass action movie. And it was released, like, without a lot of marketing in front of it. I went to see it on a Friday night, and there was no one in that theater but me and a few friends. So I think it was marketed so wrong that that's why it like didn't do well and i don't think it's gonna get another one which is a shame because she was good in that role but it had a hit single starring ariana grande miley cyrus lana <laughs> del rey don't call me angel which everyone's favorite it did song not do well either <laughs> <laughs> are you saying a, a, a single where a bunch of people like big artists collaborated that like clash completely with styles didn't do that well that never happens <laughs> Uh, but would you agree with that sort of marketing presentation kind of doomed it a bit, Adam? I mean, 100%, 100%. And, and unfortunately, you know, 
it's not that I disagree with sort of what Elizabeth Banks said, but I, I definitely agree that, like you said, the nostalgia for it has definitely worn off. The people who would have seen this would be nostalgia for the Cameron Diaz ones. And, and let's be honest, they're not great movies. I mean, they're fine. They're fun, but they're not that good. Uh, so, you know, I don't think the, the really the love for the franchise is there right now. I don't know if it was too soon, uh, and it might have been because they also tried te- television reboots yeah, in the meantime. They did try. I mean, how many of yeah. them? At least twice. It's unfortunate that the movie didn't go through another pass to really be something that could, you know, challenge sort of the ideals of what an action movie could be or what, you know, a female-led sort of cast and director and writer uh, making an action movie, how much that could change things. Um, and it is unfortunate. I wish it would have, but you know, that's just sort of the way that works. Unfortunately, you know, you get the internet misogynist trolls on it and they just sort of killed it to begin with too. I mean, we saw it with Ghostbusters. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. much different with this. Well, and also it felt very much like a studio afterthought with what we were mentioning about how it wasn't oh, even yeah. that well yeah. ad- advertised or anything like that, or even like really cared that much to bring it to people's attention. Um, and I will say there's, I think even, I, I wish it was even able to have a slightly more of a different identity with stuff like even the Jonathan Tucker character, I think feels like a weird attempt to imitate the Crispin Glover character from those Charlie's Angels yeah. movies, which is, you can't replicate that because it's fucking Crispin Glover going insane, <laughs> which is like <laughs> one of the best things about that movie. He's like a weird silent movie villain <laughs> that shows up in the middle of that. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts then on uh, Charlie's Angels. Ariana, obviously you love it. <laughs> I can agree that there's problems with it, but it's so fun. And it's like the comedic, I'm a big comedy person. So having an co- action comedy is always, you're always going to go straight to my heart. And like, I think it would have benefited from not being a Charlie's Angel IP and being original, but I I, I still be watching it every few months, so I can't say anything bad about it. And Adam, your final thoughts on it? I think it's incredibly flawed. I do think there's a lot of fun in it. It sort of makes me wonder where it could have gone if they would have kept going with this, like what they could have done, how they maybe would shook it up. Fortunately, with the poor box office and everything like that, it's not going to happen. But to on our topic, I think Kristen Stewart just shines in this. She chews up every bit of scenery she's in. She single-handedly steals and almost saves the movie at the same time. Uh, she's really, really fantastic. It's a great comedic turn from her. It, it feels like it's basically her personality, but at 11 in real life. like It's almost like she's playing herself, but amped up. I, I just absolutely, I adore her in this movie, and I just wish there was a better movie around her character. Yeah, I mean, I overall pretty much uh, would say that uh, it's it's definitely a very flawed movie. I think, like I said, Elizabeth Banks is a very good, I think, comedic presence as an actor in the movie, and the script that she wrote is like has a lot of fun warmth that we don't really see in modern uh, action comedies even that much. There's a lot of sincerity to it. But I do wish they kind of had someone to help her with like the action sequences. And also, you know, I, I think... It's a shame because this cast, I think, is so fun. I think not just Kristen Stewart, but the Naomi Scott, Ella Bolinska have so much fun back and forth going with each other that I think they would have deserved, I think, a better movie. It's kind of the same way I feel about the Ghostbusters movie, honestly, the 2016 one, where it's like, this is a fun cast that I wish had gotten a better movie to really show off their abilities. And I think, uh, especially with these three, I think uh, they, they deserve to at least be in some other movie together. I would love to see the three of them reunite 
even if it's not in a Charlie's Angels capacity. And also, uh, I think it's, it's a shame this movie has just been completely erased from existence, basically. It feels almost like a movie that does not exist whatsoever. <laughs> and it's a shame, because like, I would recommend anyone give it a chance, where it's like, I think at worst you would just be like, oh, that's fun, but forgettable. Or you might be like Narion and just love it. Who knows? You can, <laughs> anywhere in between. I don't think you'll hate it if you give it a chance. I'd recommend it uh, for that. But before we get into our next section, uh, here is a message from the ESO crew that we fully endorse. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it. Creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. So now it's our segment, The Double Redu. Uh, where basically every week Adam and I recommend uh, two good movies and then uh, not recommend two bad ones that fit around our general topic. Uh, so we're obviously talking about Kristen Stewart here, and we invite our guests to do the same. Ariana, I believe you have some prepared. Yes, I do. Very good, very good. Uh, but first we'll go with uh, Adam. Uh, what are your choices for uh, the double redo for Kristen Stewart? For the good, I, I've already mentioned them both by name. I have Panic Room. You know, A, it's, it's a Fincher movie. I, I can't. And, you know, it's Fincher. I love Fincher. B, it's the only time Jared Leto with cornrows is acceptable. C, great Dwight Yoakam, great Forrest Whitaker, great Kristen Stewart, great Jodie Foster. Really exciting, really thrilling, small movie, you know, basically one setting. I absolutely love the movie. I love the look of it. I love the stakes. I love the characters, everything about it. I think it's a really, really sort of underlooked uh, film in Fincher's oeuvre as a whole and it's a fine performance from a super young uh child actor kristen stewart and then uh for the second one i have sci-fi jumanji i have zathura i loved zathura when i first saw it and it totally makes sense to me why you know the guy who directed that would go on to do bigger movies like iron man and sort of become one of the top guys in the star wars universe <laughs> with john favreau uh, I think it's super fun, super cute. Kristen Stewart plays a like, perfect older sister. Who, she's not real like shitty to her brother. She's just kind of tired of his games. She's really fun in it. All the kids are really good in it. The creature effects are great. Um, and the this, this CGI actually still kind of holds up pretty well. Uh, for my bad, I have just... A, why was there two Snow White movies in the same year? B... Why is one of them Snow White and the Huntsman? A gritty take on the Snow White legend. Who asked for this? Like, who wanted this? And it's not, it, it's just kind of like, feels like, oh, let's make a fantasy movie. Here we go. Pick every stereotypical plot point you can find in all of them and put it in this. And there you go. It's Snow White. Uh, Kristen Stewart looks incredibly bored on it. Also, this is where, you know, all the problems with her and Pattison first happened. And I'm still not over it. Um, but it's just, it's kind of a bore fest. Like, it's not exciting. There's nothing to it. The sequel's dumb, too. Like, I just, nobody, it's just, it's garbage. And then uh, I have a horrible horror film 
The Messengers, which I also mentioned earlier, which was originally was going to be about haunted scarecrows. And then they were like, nope, let's just change it into a bullshit stereotypical thing. Let's make the direct-to-video sequel about the scarecrows, uh, which is one of the only times I will say a direct-to-video horror sequel is better. Not because it's a good movie, but at least the story makes a little bit more sense in a cohesion level. Yeah, The Messengers is kind of, it's just dumb. Like, she's bored in it. It was like a vehicle for, uh, what's his name? Because a big fat Greek wedding was a hit. So we're like, ah, yeah, he's going to be a star again. No, no. Corbett's not going to be a star. It's just, it's, eh. Yeah, I'd never seen The Messengers. Um, I During my research, I realized that was a movie again, because I'm like, oh, I vaguely remember Kristen Stewart on this poster. Yeah, that's something that exists. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing even with, like, a Snow White. It's like the only real legacy that movie has is the weird bullshit that went on with, like, her yeah. and the, the director, which I, was such a bummer that everyone got so pent up about that. And that was like, I... such a, a failure of, like us as a species to like just be so obsessed yes, with that yeah, bullshit um but then with the other two yeah zathura i really dig um i have not seen in a while i'd be curious to revisit it with panic room yeah i agree that's very underrated fincher i think it's slight fincher but i think that doesn't mean it gets to be swept under the rug like that was the one he followed up fight club with and everyone was so open i'm like oh my god we gotta see what he's doing next and he made like a solid tight thriller also more importantly when i first saw that movie and i didn't know who Kristen stewart was i'm just like oh did they get like Jodie Foster's niece for this mm-hmm. movie because <laughs> like it's astonishing that they look so similar. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. It's even more weird when you find it like that movie was originally like, the first two weeks before she was injured. Nicole Kidman was shooting that movie with Kristen Stewart, which would have been very different movie. Ooh, I, <laughs> I don't know if that would have worked nearly as well was with Foster because also it's weird that like Stewart got her start with Foster because I would argue they're very similar actresses. Yes, they are. Their ticks, yeah. Like, you see, like, I could totally see, like, her taking on, like, a Clarice Starling-style FBI role at some point in the future. She has a lot of the same tics. Sure. But I'm up here next, and I'll say, um, for my good, um, I have uh, two movies that are very different, but I think really represent the two different sides of Stuart that I really dig. Uh, first, I have Adventureland, which was the comedy I was referencing earlier, a coming-of-age comedy that came out uh, from the Greg Matola, who directed Superbad, and this was promoted at that time as, like, oh, the new movie from the Superbad director, which I remember being like, oh, my God, this is going to be a raunchy, fun comedy. And it's like, it's kind of that, but it's more of, like, a dramedy where you get, like, Jesse Eisenberg um, as this kid who ends up taking a summer job at this theme park, and he ends up having, uh, you know, a summer kind of love affair with uh, Kristen Stewart's character. And what I like about the movie is that sounds so much like, oh, this is going to be like a bad John Hughes ripoff. And I think it gives her a lot more humanity, in particular as the love interest character. We see a lot more about her life, especially her dealing with an incredibly well-cast version of Ryan Reynolds as a piece of shit as this older guy that's cheating on his wife with Kristen Stewart, this younger woman. And it's so effectively done. And even when you get to the end where Jesse Eisenberg is also like a very much more complex character where he has, does a lot of shitty things. The movie is very aware of her shitty. And Stewart has so much pathos in that movie near the end of it, where she's being accused of so much bullshit. And it's so heart wrenching to see her go through that. It is a stellar example of like turning what could be just total fluff into a really underrated i would say comedic turn from her um and then the good other good one i have it was my alternate choice that uh, all of you patrons decided to vote for underwater instead but i think it's my favorite performance of stewart's and it's one of the most original movies i've ever seen and i rewatched it right before uh we did this uh, personal shopper 
I think it's this really interesting move by Olivier Arceus that's basically Kristen Stewart plays a personal shopper in Paris who like shops for um, a celebrity when they can't obviously go out and shop for clothes and stuff. But also she's was a medium at a certain point and her brother died and she's been searching for her brother's ghost. And it's this weird kind of blend of like a slice of life drama and a really scary horror movie that's just like so spellbinding. I can't emphasize enough how much I, I when I initially saw it, I liked the movie. I was like, oh, this is different, interesting. And rewatching, I'm like, this is such a beautiful portrait of loss, and it's also really fucking scary at the same time. Like it has, it's, it's such a unique mix that I, I can't emphasize if it's so hard to describe. I would so recommend anybody. It might not sound like your bag, but give it a chance. I love that movie so much. Um, and just really quickly with my two bad, I have What Just Happened, which is a Barry Levinson movie no one remembers starring Robert De Niro, uh, where he basically plays this guy who is a movie producer and his daughter is Kristen Stewart. And she's one of many people he visits along this like one day where everything goes wrong. And it, along with the other bad feature I have, uh, commits the very bad sin that a lot of her worst movies do and just not give Kristen Stewart a lot to do. It's just like she's, oh, I'm just the daughter character. I get into some weird situations, and uh, Robert De Niro ends up being mad about it. It's just kind of like a blase whatever movie. And then also Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk, which is the infamous Angley disaster uh, that he shot in 120 oh. frames per second. <laughs> and she's one of many people who are like, that cast is insane, where it's like Steve Martin shows up. And uh, Vin Diesel shows up as well. And I'll say, like, it's it's such a weird miscalculation for Ang Lee that's, I'll at least say, kind of fascinating, um, just in terms of, like, how wrongheaded it is. But Kristen Stewart is, I think, the big highlight of that movie, because she plays Billy Lynn's supportive sister, who I just wish was, like, more in the movie. I like her chemistry with the main actor as a sister, and I like that, like, it feels like she's so supportive as everyone else is, like trying to really just emphasize, oh, you're coming back from the military and all this other stuff. She feels the most like, no, I just know you, dude. And I know you don't like all this attention. I think she's making the best out of what she can with that movie. But like I said, along with what just happened, commits that bad sin of just, there's not a lot of Stewart. Where's more of the Stewart? That's the spice you need more of. <laughs> you know, I saw Adventureland when it first came out. I was not crazy about it. I haven't watched it again since, but I think it's because I was expecting another super bad. I would love to revisit that one. It's been one that I've sort of has been almost daunting for me to go back to. Um, but I'm definitely sort of excited based on what you said about your recommendations to go back to it. Uh, yeah. Personal shopper is, Oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so good. It's one of those criminally underseen that I just wish more people would seek out. It's, it's, tragic and scary and beautiful and it just a masterful performance from Kristen Stewart and uh your other two are uh yeah dog shit <laughs> <laughs> well um Ariane what about yours what are your choices it's funny because I had all of yours on my short list both of you and then I was like okay I guess I'm choosing my other two uh I have uh Clouds of Sils Maria mm. uh for my best um she's still to this day the only American uh, actress who win a César, César for her performance in it. And it's with the same director from Personal Shopper. Um, and it is, to me, the best performance she ever gives. So it's the story of a middle-aged actress uh, played by Juliette Binoche, um, who is cast as a romantic lead in a show and a movie uh, with a young uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. And it's about her 
Chris Stewart plays her assistant, and it's about like that journey to go to make that movie. And it is one of the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. And Kristen's performance in it is probably the best she's ever been. It's just, it's captivating. I watch it a lot. I have it on DVD. And it's just, it's so calm, but also you're stressed the whole time because you don't know what's going to happen. It's one of those movies that I think it because it's French, it really like didn't go mainstream i think twitter has made it more mainstream now but it's it's so good and then my other one is still alice um with um julian moore and she won her oscar for it and kristen plays her daughter and it's about a woman uh having early onset alzheimer and it is heartbreaking from start to finish but Kristen plays, it's one of those movies where she's barely in it but she makes the most out of this role and because she she plays that daughter who accepts that her mother is she's kind of losing her mom uh, because of Alzheimer and the way that Kristen is able to bring like such a performance she probably has like max 15-20 minutes in that movie and it's just so heartbreaking to see this this daughter accepting the fact that she is never going to see her mom again and I think those two are some of her best work ever and then her worst, and I have two t- t- movies that I saw at TIFF um, back-to-back, uh, this years back-to-back, and it's G.T. Leroy with Laura Dern. It is based on a true story about uh, someone who took a pen name, and it is boring from start to finish. And she, they both are great actors. They do the most with it, but I just I, I don't like it. I rewatched it for this, and I was like, I after half an hour, I was like, I'm bored. Um, and then the other one is Seberg, where she plays uh, Jean Seberg. It is probably the most underused cast I've ever seen, where they are all great. That cast is all-star. It's um, Jack O'Connell, Kristen Stewart, Zazie Beetz, Anthony Mackie, Vince Vaughn, and Margaret Qualley. And I cannot tell you what happens in that movie, because it is so t- paper-thin. They try to do justice to Jean Seberg, who was an activist, um, an actress-activist, and was... Um, the FBI basically ruined her life because she was part of the she wanted to help the Black Panthers and that movie does not do justice to what it was um, that this woman did for them uh, Kristen Stewart is great in it but it's not a great movie yeah Seberg and JT Laurent were both ones that I had, when I heard about what they were I'm like oh this sounds fascinating especially Stewart yeah. I'm, I'm all in and then I heard all the reviews that I like Tiff and stuff I'm like oh they're ducks yeah. that's a bummer it's sad because she is amazing in both roles. It's probably some of her best acting, but those movies are bores. Mm, that's that's it's, it's it's very movies where like let's go get Oscars, that type of movie, and you're like that's not what you should have done. Yeah, and I'll say with Still Alice, that's one that I've I I want to force myself to watch it, not because like <laughs> I'm sure it's a great movie, but the subject matter is so oh. heavy. It's hard. It's hard. Oh yeah. It's so sad. The, the year that she won for that is when, when I was still keeping up with trying to watch all the Oscar movies. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, it's so sad. Julia, is, well, Chris yeah. Stewart is great in it in her limited screen time. But, oh, Julianne Moore. Oh, my God. It's so sad and depressing. Yeah. But yeah. I absolutely a thousand percent understand why it would be one of your choices it's 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 a really beautiful film it's beautiful um, yeah but i have not seen the the one with julia pinoche i i've heard if you love personal shopper it's oh. the same director same team everything 
it, it's like when people tell me, oh, she's not a great actress, I always bring up that movie because it's probably the best work she's ever done. Well, I was going to say, I did actually watch that as prep for the show because um, I, I love Personal Shopper. I wanted to finally see uh, Clouds of Sills Maria. And I'll say, I think like the chemistry back and forth between her and Benoche is so great, particularly whenever they're running yeah. lines with each other. is yeah. They're so good because it's so much about like their relationship and how much it like really shifts and turns about like oh she kind of represents the earlier youthful side of Julia mm-hmm. Binoche and there's also there's so much weird interesting tension I agree that like like their chemistry is so great I think the movie slightly loses me I'll say with the epilogue which isn't very Stuart heavy and I think the yeah. movie I think it kind of loses me a bit after that point but it's so worth watching for all the other stuff even I love the scene so much where they're talking at the bar after seeing the dumb superhero movie that Chloe Grace Moretz yeah. is in and yeah. Kristen Stewart is genuinely invested in talking about like no I mean I really felt Im- so immersed in her conflict and Julie Pinochet's like it's a dumb fucking superhero movie <laughs> they have such yeah. a great back and forth together Which, it feels like it was Juliet just being herself where she was like I don't give a crap about this movie um but no, I it's it's so good. I have it on DVD. I watch it a lot. Those two movies to me are probably the best that Kristen has been. But yeah, those all right. So y- y'all out there listening, there's a lot of great Kristen Stewart movies to to watch and other ones to avoid. Um, then you know we would re- highly recommend those. And also submit yours if there are any ones, especially we didn't mention. Um, we'll definitely uh, read them on the show. Um, but now it's time to get to the exit of the show. We want to thank some people like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Christian Thor Lally for our art. Uh, follow him on at night of water. That's night with a K underscore of underscore water. Uh, and, uh, also, uh, thank you to all our Patreon subscribers, our edgelord patrons. Thank you so much for just the $1 a month being able to, you know, help us guide the show with stuff like picking underwater as our good pick here, or be able to pick certain topics we do in the future based on polls. And even you can listen to bonus podcasts like around the time this is out are on the edge of relevance about the conjuring. The devil made me do it. We'll be up for you all to listen to. Yay. <laughs> Were we fans based on that enthusiasm? <laughs> Tune in <laughs> for just, let's say, like I said, the $1 a month you can, uh, hear bonus podcasts like that and also of course we want to thank Ariane for coming on the show thank you so much you're a great guest go ahead and plug yourself where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on twitter at uh, binet a93 uh on the underscene and the butt is it gay podcast um where i talk about gay stuff with my co-host uh movie tv and then I also write on the Underseed my movie and TV reviews. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that. I listened to the gay horror episode you did. Uh, yes. <laughs> show. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and you guys oh, talked about stuff like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jennifer's body and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's a fun show to have where we just ask the real question that everyone should ask themselves when they watch something. And it's, but is it gay? Well, that's the, I guess before we uh, get to the exit of the show, are these two movies gay? Charlie's Angels and Underwater. I mean, Charlie's Angel, she is not straight in that movie. Yeah, that's just me projecting at that point. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. But, uh, you know, for more of our antics, you can sub- uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at DEDBpod. Also submit feedback to us at double edge, double bill at gmail.com, all spelled out. 
And you know, if you can't support us with the Patreon, why not buy some merchandise with our logo on it over at the ESOT Public Store? You can uh, buy a t-shirt or a coffee mug, all sorts of other things with uh, our new logo or our old classic logo on it as well. Because um, And that helps out because it gets us a bit of a kickback. So we would definitely recommend they do what, Adam? Fuck a butt. Buy our merch. Buy our merch. <laughs> Of course, um, if you want uh, to follow me in my own individual antics, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as at NotBehoosTommy, where I do, you know, my general thoughts and musings about film and other things. And uh, also I do some writing at MarianiThomas.wordpress.com and also occasionally at Film-Cred.com, which I actually met Arianne through uh, the Discord and stuff for that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at atom or adam that's a-t-o-m underscore o-r underscore a-d-a-m find me on letterbox at schwanson s-c-h-w-a-n-d-t-s-o-n uh you know just follow my antics on there but i I do want to say you know we did this because it's pride month um and pride month is a great thing uh i i love that we you know we celebrate everybody this month but hey how about we just do it every month how about we just not be dicks to each other how about we just (laughs) Let people do what they want, love who they want, and enjoy what they enjoy. Uh, you know, it's, it's a big month uh, for a lot of people in the world. Like, I myself am a bisexual man, and I really take to heart this month. And, you know, I wish we could sort of enjoy it and relish it every month. So, hey, does everybody fucking love everybody? <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Very much second that. And also, you know, uh, seek out some, you know, uh, other artists and writers and stuff like that who are queer like Ariana. Read, read their yeah, absolutely, and raise their voices up. And, you know, if you want more of our content, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on the ESO Network, why not dig into the, all, the, all the other great shows that are there? And uh, you can also dig into our archives and our main Podbean feed for especially a bunch of shows we did before we joined ESO. And nothing else, if you can't support us by buying the merch or supporting the Patreon, that's all good. Um, we just recommend, uh, you know, for completely free, rating, reviewing, or sharing the show around. That helps out a bunch of podcasts like ours or Ariana's. Just that very simple free thing of expose it to others. Yeah, you know that shit I just said 30 seconds ago about, you know, love everybody and help each other out? Do that for us, too. <laughs> <laughs> share our show. Share Ariana's Ariana show. You know, just get voices out there. Give Give voices to the voiceless. Except we're, we're very loud here. We're, we're, we're very, very loud. No, that I talk <laughs> way too much. We, we talk a lot. <laughs> yes. But now, Adam, uh, it's time for us to eventually stop talking. But before we do that, we have to do our picking for next week. Because uh, you have two good movies and I have two bad for the next topic that we're doing. Um, and that topic is about the a late, great George A. Romero, who is getting a film released uh, this week that we're uh, putting this out here because uh, he's got The Amusement Park, his uh, earlier sort of weird, like, short film, Long Lost, is being released on Shudder, which I'm very excited. I'm so excited, you know, as we will probably uh, get into on the next show. I'm a pretty big Romero fan. Yes, of course, as am I. Um, well, definitely. I know, Ariane, you're not a big horror fan, but you respect the name of Romero over there? Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, you'll uh, be helping us out here, because uh, given Adam has two good choices, he's assigned each number between 1 and 10. I've done the same for my two bad choices. Uh, we need you to pick numbers between 1 and 10 for both our choices, uh, where that'll end up getting us our potential good 
and bad pick. But keep in mind, everybody, that the Godfather rule that we have here is in effect, where basically if Adam or I hear that initial choice that comes up, we have this potential for only one movie throughout this next whole year. If we hear that choice and we're like, oh, we don't want to cover that, we can say the magic catchphrase of, actually, I'll take the cannoli. And that means we get the other choice. But we can only do that once. Got in the back pocket yep. to do once. So, first though, Ariana, for Adam's two good choices, please pick a number between one and ten. Six. All right, at number eight, I have my absolute favorite uh, zombie film of all time. And to me, it might be Romero's best. I have Day of the Dead. Oh, all right. The the undersung of the trilogy. Do you want to take the cannoli, Thomas? Um, You know, I am not going to take that cannoli because I do agree that's a very underrated movie I'd like to talk about. All right. And number one, I had also one of his most underrated, uh, one of the best, is it a vampire movie ever, Martin. Oh, it's such an underrated movie. Definitely seek that out if you're a Romero fan, if you haven't. Such a great so scene movie. Very good movie. But now, Ariane, for my two bad choices, number between one and ten. Three. Okay. Very excited about this. I have at number two, I think the movie he followed up um, Day of the Dead with um, his very weird psychological thriller involving helper monkey, Monkey Shines. Oh! Uh, oh, okay. I do. Alright, we'll keep it. I'm not taking the cannoli. I'm not taking it. Okay, alright. Well, that's good because I think we would have had a worse time with over at number seven. I had what I would argue is his worst film, easily, and probably his most obscure for good reason Bruiser. Oh, I would have taken the cannoli on Bruiser. I'm not even going to lie to you. If Bruiser was first chosen, cannoli. I would have used it right there and there and been fucked for a year. Yeah, oh, God. Okay, all right. All right. Oof. So, yeah, Monkey Shines and uh, Day of the Dead. That'll be very fun to talk about next time. Uh, but until next time, everybody, go support some queer folks. Go do it. Yeah, do some stuff. Be nice. Explore, for fuck's sake close-minded hacks <laughs> not our listeners not our listeners no you're all great <laughs> it's those other guys so fuck them <laughs> the other guys fuck them has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.